Take your Bibles and turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Uh, I could have entitled this uh, series uh, Christmas in Philippians, but uh, we, uh, we are, I'm really have entitled it my Christmas list for our church. Last week we were in Philippians 1 with uh, the, the uh, as Paul left that church in Philippi and he said, he said that your love may abound. He didn't say that they didn't love. He just said, I want more love, uh, and I want you to love one another. And uh, I'm going to be in uh, Philippians chapter 2. And uh, But before I do, after the service, we do have these calendars available, as I said already. I know we handed them out. Uh, we got these calendars. And also, uh, in the at the educational campus, we're feeding the college and career class after the service. They're having their Christmas party. A lot of the college uh, kids will be going home for Christmas this week, and so we won't get to see them until next year, and we wanted to uh, to, to have a, a nice little Christmas dinner, party, luncheon, uh, and uh, send them off uh, this week with love from Bible Baptist, and we sure appreciate our students that do attend, and uh, very thankful for them, and uh, just wanted to announce in case I forgot at the end of the service, and so you're all invited uh, to that, if you attend that class, it's Jacob and Kenya's class, and Kelly, I believe, is in there. And so uh, that class down there at the educational campus on the teen side, and uh, you'll know when you get in there. Philippians chapter 2, let's look at verse number 1. Uh, last week, we, we left you with love. If I had to choose uh, uh, some, some messages this time of the year for our church as we're entering into uh, 2023... Uh, I, I want our church to love each other. I, I want it to abound in love. I want it to to, to just love uh, where it just oozes out of our church. And we love people despite faults and failures and despite us and despite the hurt and the, all the things that comes with it, just to love. But but the second thing, if I had to choose, it would be the, 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 the topic of unity. Paul addresses that in, in Philippians chapter 2. And in verse number 1, he says this, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercies, fulfill ye my joy, fulfill ye my joy, that ye may be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife and vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Let, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to preach for a few minutes. I pray that you'll bless uh, the service, bless the word. May it be multiplied, not just heard, but, but done and, uh, and, and active among our church. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We were moving from chapter 1 to chapter 2, and we quickly discover these verses as a continuation of chapter 1. Look with me in Philippians chapter 1 and, and verse number 24, I believe it is, or verse 27. Here's what he says in verse 27. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye, here's, here it is, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now, here's what Paul was concerned about. Paul was concerned that the church continue to possess unity. 
Unity was... He says it in verse 27 that you have one mind, that you strive together, that you stand fast in one spirit, and everything is one. Everything is together. Everything is unified. And Paul was concerned that, that the church would stay unified. And then he says, for the faith of the gospel or the sake of the gospel, that it would go forth. And if, and if you're not unified in Christ, working together with a common vision, then they would have little effect in this ministry. Now, I preach in a lot of churches. I think this year, if I tally the churches that I've spoken in uh, together, whether it be connected to a conference or a camp or whatever, uh, it would be like 37 churches. Now, that, that may not seem like a lot to you, but 37 churches outside of this church, literally from California to the Northeast, that is a lot of churches. And then if you tally that for about 10 years... That would be over almost close to 400 churches. Now, some of them may be the same, but a lot of them are different. I know church. I have seen church. I've seen little churches. I've seen medium-sized churches. I've seen large churches. And here's the deal. They all have the same goal. And that is, the goal should be, now, now not all are striving for it the same way, but the goal is to be unified to reach their community with the gospel. If you were to ask them, hey, what is your mission? What is, what is your purpose? Many of those pastors would say, well, we want to be reaching our community with the gospel. If that's not what you say, then, uh, then, then my friend, something's wrong. I, I want to see Simpsonville impacted uh, by Bible Baptist Church for the sake of the gospel. That is what I want to see. Now, will that happen? Well, we, we, we were going to see here in, in Philippians chapter 2 because I want our church to be unified. And if we're not unified, then we'll have little effect in our community. The fundamental truth we find in Philippians 2 has not changed. I'm convinced that it's of great importance. That's why I'm preaching to you uh, this message here at the Christmas season. And apart from believing and teaching sound doctrine like we do, nothing else is more essential to the health and the well-being of our church than that of unity. Being faithful to the Lord Jesus together. May we continue to gather together within the building, but our efforts cannot be eternal apart from that of unity. Matter of fact, in Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 3, verses 24 and 25, he said this, that if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. Even if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Let me just, let me just give you a, a personal picture. Look at our nation today. Our nation has never been more divided than it is today. Our government has never been more divided than it is today. Our Senate is almost split down the middle. I mean, it, it is just, it, I mean, people on one side or the other side. And listen, there is a lot of, of, of hate toward one another and a lot of resentment toward one another. And listen, you say, Pastor, that's the government. But then look at our nation. Our nation, because it's not unified, it's brought about a... a just demoralizing spirit. You can't turn the news on today without somebody arguing and debating. You can't... And listen, that's in the home today. That's in the church today. There's a lot of churches today that have that, that, that discord and that division. And when Paul says that we should be unified, 
So I'm going to continue this morning for just a few minutes on kind of what we started last week. We were in Philippians 1 last week talking about love, I believe in verses 8 through about verse number 15 or so. And this morning we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 through verse number 4. Very simple message on unity. I want to first say this and and, and look with me at verse number 1. The admonition for unity. The admonition for unity. Here's what Paul says again, and stay with me in verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy, here's what he says in verse 1, then then go to the first four words in verse 2. Fulfill ye my joy. Fulfill ye my joy. Now, here Paul offers an impassioned admonition regarding their unity. And as he dealt with their unity, he reminds them of this. He reminds them, according to verse 1, the Lord we serve. Notice what he says. If there be any consolation in Christ. Listen, the reason that we should be unified this morning, according to what Paul says in Philippians 2, is that we should be mindful of the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on to say that in verse 5 and 6. He said, let this mind be in you which lost you in Christ Jesus. Hey, Jesus was of one mind. He was not a double-minded man. He did that which pleased the Father. And my friend, listen, if we are going to be unified this morning, we should be unified because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, if there be any consolation, that is a very simple yet strikingly profound statement. An awareness of the Lord should be the reason that we strive for unity. We cannot please the Lord apart from unity. We cannot please the Lord as a church when we're fighting amongst one another. We can't please the Lord as a family when your family can't be united. Hey, let's apply this to where you live this morning. How, how's your relationship with your family? Is it divided? I'm talking about mom and dad. I'm talking about kids. I'm talking about is there division among your family? Listen, we ought to be unified. I hear I'm applying it to the church. But we ought to be unified in one mind, according to what Paul says, in one spirit. And, and it's very simple, but it's, it's also profound. Our love for the Lord ought to create a burning desire to serve along one another in unity. We cannot please the Lord apart from unity. He remained committed to the will of the Father going all the way to the cross, bearing our sin and and securing our salvation. There was no rebellion in the Lord Jesus. There was no lack of unity in the Lord Jesus. And that alone should motivate our unity. So why should we be unified? We should be unified because of the Lord Jesus Christ. But secondly, we should be unified because of the love that we share one to another. Notice the phrase in verse 1 it says this if there be therefore any consolation in Christ notice the next phrase if any comfort of love now Paul kind of mentions this comfort of love but that word comfort it, it, it means strength so if there be any strength of love Paul admonishes this church that if your love is strong, if it is real, one for another, then unity will become natural. Can I say this this morning? That if you love each other, that unity will be there. Oh yes, listen, we've got to love one another. And this present, it presents a great challenge for the church today. I fear way too many of our churches lack genuine love one to another. We say we love each other, but we're not showing it. 
And if our love is lacking, we will not possess an unhindered unity. If our love is strong, we are, are uh, being strengthened through that love. We will possess unity. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 11. Just stay with me. I'm getting somewhere. And he says this, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. We're commanded in Scripture, as I said last week, love each other. You say, well, pastor, I don't like them. Well, I do believe that you may not like someone, but you better love them. Right? You say, pastor, is that possible? I believe it is. You may not like being around them. Maybe they're a negative Nelly. Maybe they're just a complainer. But you love them anyhow. You don't hate them. You don't hate people. You say, pastor, I, I hate that person. They, they vote differently than I do. Oh, listen, no. No, that's what the world is teaching. I hate that person. They're, they're this or that. They like this or they... No, no, no. No, we should love one another. It doesn't mean you have to always be around them, but you ought to love them. Amen? Hey, John chapter 15, verse number 12. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Hey, in the church of Jesus Christ, listen to me. We ought to love each other. Amen? We ought to love each other. So it's the Lord that we have. It's the love that we share but secondly, or thirdly, it's the life that we live. Look what he else he says here. He says in, in verse 1, he says, If there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love. Notice the next phrase. If any fellowship of the Spirit. So he says, comfort of love or strength of love, depending on how much you love somebody. And then he says, the fellowship of the Spirit. So he mentions their fellowship. They share the same Spirit. Not a, not a similar Spirit, the same Spirit. Paul says, be of the same mind. But they all possess the Spirit within. So, so listen, when I got saved, I got the same Spirit you got. We're striving for the same team. We're going to the same heaven. Some of you can't get along with your brothers and your sisters in Christ. But guess what? You're going to spend eternity with them. I mean, can you, can you imagine that? I mean, you're going to be in heaven with each other. So you might as well like each other now. The same Spirit. And the reason I can fellowship with people that I've never met before, the reason that I can fellowship with people that are complete strangers sometimes, but just in a moment, we are yoked together. You say, why? We have the same Spirit. We belong to the family of God. And we have it. Listen, I travel quite a bit. I'm in airports and, and places and hotels. And, and sometimes uh, you just meet people and you can sense that there's just something different about this person. I like to ask, uh, hey, do you, are you saved? Yeah, I'm saved. And do you go to church? I, we were out in uh, Texas a few weeks ago and, 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 I, and there was a guy out there helping me. And he, just, he said something about being blessed. That's all he said. It was just a little, he said, yeah, man, I'm blessed. Well, that's a statement that a Christian makes. Would y'all not agree? We are blessed. Some of you don't look blessed. You look stressed, right? You're like, oh, God. You ought to see it from my view. Whether you're stressed or blessed, you may not know it, but you're blessed. But anyway, he said, I'm blessed. And I said, man, praise the Lord. I said, are you saved? He said, I sure am. I said, do you go to church? He named the church. It wasn't a church that I probably would attend in, in that community, but he, he named the, 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 the denomination. Let's just put it that. But then he said, but I am a child of God. And I said, well, tell me about your salvation. Boy, he gave me a clear salvation. Now listen, the reason we could fellowship, Brother Lee, is because we're going to the same heaven. 
And listen, we, now we may not agree on all the doctrine. We may not agree with on how we do things. But can I say this? Listen, the main essential doctrine, the main doctrine of salvation, we could sit there and agree on why. He had the same Spirit of God that lives in me was indwelling in Him. And we could agree. And we had a great fellowship right there. Hey, we love one another. And it's the life that we live. Fellowship. Sadly, it doesn't always look this way in the church. Because we tend to allow sin into our life. And you know what sin does? Sin clouds our view of others. It just messes up things. It distorts things. I, this morning when I got my glasses on, I hadn't worn them in a couple days. And, and when I got them on, man, it was foggy and, and, and smudged up. And I had to get something out. Why? Well, I didn't want to get up here preaching and, and couldn't half see out of my glasses and, and look out. But, but here's the deal. If that's the way we are physically, then why don't we do that spiritually? The reason why some of you are only looking at people's faults is because you are smudged. The reason why you're looking at things differently than the way they are, it's called, what we call it, perspective. But saved people ought to call it the Spirit of God. So we live a life, and sadly it doesn't always exist the way that it does in, in some churches. Then here, here's another one, the load we bear. Look with me in verse 1. It says, if there be any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit. And then it says, if any bows of mercy... Notice that last phrase, any bowels of mercy. Paul deals with the compassion and care one to another. That bowels of mercy, it literally speaks of our tenderness, our tender mercies, our compassion. That's one thing lacking in our Christian realm today, especially in churches, is because we, we lack compassion. We have compassion for a certain group, but we don't have compassion for all the groups. Listen, we ought to have Compassion for the lost, compassion for the down and out, compassion for the poor, compassion for those that are weary, compassion for those that are depressed. Hey, compassion for those that can't help themselves. Compassion for all of the... And, and the Bible clearly teaches that if any bows and mercies... So, so this is evidence of unity. Bows and mercies. We are compassionate. There are those outside the church who seek to help others who are burdened. But this is amplified within the church. That we have people in our church that truly have needs. We have people in our church that truly have problems. And listen, when's the last time you stepped out of your comfort zone and actually tried to help someone? I, I, this time of year, it's, it's, uh, you go by the Salvation Army or you go to these uh, stores in the, the mall or a department store and you'll see a, a bell out there and someone's standing there with a donation box. You say, why are they doing that? Well, because they know around the holidays, people are a little bit more compassionate than they typically are. I mean, they typically are. My wife did something very disturbing yesterday. I think she stepped out, but she's listening, I can assure you. She got up yesterday morning and I was comfortably on the couch for a little bit early. It was probably about 6.30, I would imagine. And, and she's over there making a, some coffee. And it was just, just enjoying, you know, it was kind of a cold, rainy morning. And, and so uh, I'm sitting there just enjoying, you know, thinking about maybe looking over some things here that we're going to preach. And, and she said, you know what I'd like to do today? And I'm like, oh boy, what's going on? She said, how about we go to the mall? 
Listen, I ain't been to the mall in a long time. And they make this thing called the internet that you can avoid those places. Y'all understand you can order stuff. But no, 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 no. She wanted to go to the mall two weeks before Christmas. Brother Joseph, I want to tell you right now, my patience was tried with humanity. We got up. We, uh, we got ready. It was just me and, 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 and Ridge and Colby and Rebecca and her mother. And we, uh, she said, let's just go over there. I've got some Christmas shopping to do for a few hours. And, and, and I said, honey, I'm just going to brace you. I'm just going to warn you. You're going to see things today that you hadn't seen in a while. I can't, I can't remember the last time we went Christmas shopping at the mall. But I'm glad that, that we got it out of our system. We can wait another 10 years. So I dropped her off at the door. And I, I said, honey, I will go park. I parked in Georgia. I didn't park in South Carolina. I mean, I have never walked so far. And listen, I even told her, I said, honey, I will, I will uh, bring the baby. So you go in. I'll get the stroller out. I'll, so I'm navigating through with Ridge and trying to make it. I was almost making it a game, how I could weave in and out of the lanes and stuff with him. He's just having a great time, not knowing that his life is in jeopardy. And mine too. So we get up to the door, and I'm thinking, man, surely humanity has, you know, they'll open the doors for you. You've got a stroller. Oh, no, this, this man and woman come out, and they look at the baby, and I thought, and I said, thank you, like they're going to hold the door. So they let that thing shut. And I said, thank you. You know, no, I didn't. <laughs> oh, man, I was having a tough day. And then I knew that I was going to be preaching on unity and love and, and all these things. And I'm thinking, Lord, th this, has, this is comical because I'm over here in the place that would stress you the most this time of the year. The mall. And she said, I've got it. And there was lines outside the, the door. The uh, people lined up waiting to go in and spend money. And they looked miserable. Santa Claus looked miserable. And, uh, and the parents waiting looked miserable. And I'm like, man, why do we do this to ourselves? And then I thought about the end of that verse. See, we, we, he said, in, in, uh, we, we have compassion. We are often want to do what we want to do and go the places that we want to go and do what we want. My wife, though, listen, she's important to me. I love her. She's the most loved person in my life. And I, I want to please her, and I know that's where she wanted to go. So guess what? We sucked it in and we went. And we endured, and I'm glad we did. And we got back safe, didn't lose nobody, didn't lose our life, didn't lose our car, didn't lose anything. And sometimes, listen, here's what Paul says. And look at verse number 2. He says this, Fulfill ye my joy that, be, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Then he says in verse 3, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man on also the things of others. Here's the attributes of unity. After he admonished this church... He tells them what it is in verse 1. And really in verse 2, he begins to explain to them what unity produces. The first thing that I believe unity produces is harmony. That's a word you don't hear a lot about, harmony. But harmonizing. Verse 2, it says, Fulfill ye my joy and be ye like-minded. So the same love. 
like-minded in the same mind, being in one accord and of one mind. So where unity is present, harmony among the believers will be revealed. It's, it's harmonizing. He desired them to be like-minded, literally thinking the, the same thoughts. Do it, this would, this would uh, just squash any squabbles that we have and any little petty things in the church. If we just had the same mind and we prayed that, God, you would give us the same unity and strive for the same goal. Listen, a church that squabbles about the color of the carpet, I promise you, is not concerned that much about the area going to heaven. I don't have time to squabble about the color of the carpet or the paint trim or, the, or the, what light we're going to use or what color door we're going to do. Listen, all that is petty. And some people make it a major deal to squabble over little things. But harmony does not do that. Harmony says, hey, there's a bigger goal. And they share common goals. I like what Dr. Adrian Rogers, I listen to his podcast almost every day. uh, And and, uh, his old preaching, he's been in heaven now for about 15 years. But I love what he he preaches, the way he preached. Very simple, yet very very profound. And he, he, he was preaching about harmony. And he said, you know, there are three words that sound alike. One is unity, one is union, and one is uniformity. Unity, that's that's really what we're looking for, not union. Somebody has well said, and this is what he said, you can take two tomcats, tie their tails together, hang them over a clothesline, and you still have union, but you don't have unity. We want more than union. We we, We don't just want to be wired together or rusted together or frozen together. That's union. We want unif- and we don't want uniformity because uniformity just says that, that we all uh, look the same and, and, and look like it and, and we do the same things where everybody's doing the same thing. That's uniformity. No, we want unity. Unity, uh, uniformity comes from within. Union comes from without and u- unity comes from God. And that's what we're trying to preach at Bible Baptist. We need unity. See, we need harmony. In heart, deed, thought, same love, one accord, one mind. That's harmony. Then he says in verse 3, look at it. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in loneliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. There's humility. Not just harmony, but humility. He, he cautions us in the first part of verse 3. He said, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Paul cautioned against being filled with strife. What is strife? Contention. Rivalry. Motivated by self-interest. Puffing themselves up to make themselves something that they're not. Self-conceit. Empty pride. These things are what Paul was cautioning this church of. We shouldn't have that here. Nobody should be trying to put themselves upon a pedestal and look better than they ought to look. And, hey, look at me and look at what I've accomplished. No, we ought to be humbled. Because Paul says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. This is something that breeds jealousy and breeds bitterness is when we pride. You know, by the way, pride is always the problem, right? We all struggle in the area of pride. How about the direction? We see the caution, but we see the direction because he says, let nothing be done through strife and vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. So here's the, here's the math. We 
should put others in front of us. That is not the way that we've been Americanized, right? I was watching people yesterday, Brother Joseph, and they're trying to beat people around lanes and cut each other off. And someone would get in the wrong lane and, and it would be at a red light, but they need to get over there instead of over here. And they're in the right lane needing to turn left. So what do they do? They just go over horn cussing and pointing at each other. We're the Christmas spirit. Rolling their windows down. I mean, I've seen it right there around the mall. And then they'll go in and just act all jolly. Hey, that's not the way. But that's how we've been programmed. I need to get in front of you. Here's the line. Hey, how do we get up there? How do we, how do we, now listen. I don't like to wait like you don't like to wait. But Paul said, when it comes to the things of God, he says we should, we should uh, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. And then he says, and lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. So we are literally preferring others above us. And that is not our culture. We want to be esteemed above everyone, right? I want to do this. I want to do that. And so that is the direction that Paul warns. There is a caution. But then there's a hospitality. We see harmony. We see also uh, humility. And now we see hospitality. Look at verse 4. And this and this will be where I'm at. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now this goes hand in hand with the previous thought. Rather than seeking to serve ourselves, we ensure that we are pleased with every decision. We are conscious of, of the needs of others. To seek one's own advancement is worldly. It's carnal. When we are trying to advance ourselves and not think about others, that is a worldly thought. But to seek prosperity, to seek good, to seek the promotion of others is divine. We are to... Hey, here's the deal. When we, church, if we hear of somebody else get a job promotion or a new car or buy a new house, a good indicator of your joy and your unity and your spirit would be, man, I'm happy for them. I'm so happy for them. Boy, I tell you what, those people, they work hard and I'm so glad they got a new car or I'm glad they got a new home or I'm glad they're really doing well. But then the flesh wants to say why didn't I wonder what they're doing they must be embezzling money they must be beating people out of money they must be selling drugs on the side they got some kind of side hustle on the side that nobody knows I'm telling you them people right there are crooked ain't nobody around here can afford that Man, look at what they're driving look at it. wonder how they got that wonder how and jealousy listen jealousy puffs up and before you know it, you are resenting them. And by the way, that is, listen, that is the American culture in which we live. I've got to be better than the Joneses. Where's the Joneses at in here today? Are they here today? We've got to be better than the Joneses. We've got to get ahead of our neighbors. We've got to get the latest. Listen, that goes against what Paul is actually teaching here. There's nothing about uh, having nice things. Nothing wrong with that. But when we have the wrong spirit, and the view that seeks 
one's own things tends to narrowness, tends to selfishness, tends to bigotry, tends to smallness, it tends to meanness of soul. And the view that seeks to promote the interest of well-being of others leads to a largeness of life both here and hereafter. Basically, here's what we need to ask ourselves the question this morning is this. What am I living for? If we're living to make money, if we're living to live in nice houses, if we're living to drive nice cars and have nice clothes and make a name of ourselves, you will find that that is empty. It's empty. Stay with me. It's empty. There is no joy in living for yourself. There's no joy in you having satisfaction in yourself. Hey, how about this? If you want true joy and true satisfaction, live for Jesus and live for others. Live for Jesus and live for others. We focus on the needs of others, our church as a whole. We'll have little time for selfish and self-serving desires. We'll have less arguments, less fights. And over and over again, we see Him humbly serving others. Hey, notice verse 5. Look with me in the text. Verse 5, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. So Paul's not saying let this mind be in you which was also in the Apostle Paul. Paul says, this is not my mind. This is what I'm striving as well. He said, this mind was in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we say we want the mind of Christ. And here's the deal. Do what Paul says in these first four verses. And then he shows you what he was. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, things in heaven and earth and in things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the mind that I strive for and try to pray for for our church. That we, church listen to this, that we love one another and that we have unity. Now in these Almost seven years, we've had wonderful love for each other and we've had wonderful unity. And there's been a lot. This church has went through a lot. We've, we've experienced a lot. But I've never had to get up and address the church and say, visitors, you need to leave and attendees, go ahead and leave. Members, you stay. We've got to address a serious situation. There's been some fighting going on. I'll never forget... A few years ago, I was preaching in a church, and the pastor picked me up at the airport, and he said, hey, you know, it's a good church, but he said, hey, we're going through some things. I said, oh, okay. I thought he was maybe going to tell me, uh, I kind of like it when a pastor tells me, like, an area to preach. It helps me. So I thought he was going to say, hey, preach on unity or preach on love. or pre-, And he said, preacher, we're, we, we had a knockdown drag out last Sunday. I said, oh, okay, Wow. Okay. And I thought to myself, but, but he's going to proceed that with, but everything's good. And he said, man, I don't know what it's going to be like today. <laughs> okay. 
So I said, well, you sure you want me to preach today? You're the pastor. You sure you want me to preach? Because I feel like as a pastor, you know, oh, no, 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 I want you to preach. And I said, well, do you have any direction? He said, well, I, I certainly just want you to preach something that would help. And I said, well, I'm definitely planning on that. I said, but any, any area? He said, no, it's just we have some stuff going on between some families. And, and then it's, and there's a lot of family kin that's in the church. So this whole family's mad at another. And he said, it's mad. They stood up in church. And he said, so what I'm going to do today is he said, any visitor that's there, we're giving them a Cracker Barrel card and we're sending them to Cracker Barrel. That's what he said. And I thought, well, I'm a visitor. First thought, I was like, where's my Cracker Barrel card? Because I didn't come here and do this. For, you know, I mean, you invited me, pal. Where's my Cracker Barrel card? So anyway, uh, it was interesting. He got up, they sang, and then he said, here's what he said. He said, uh, church, he said, uh, this is going to be an unusual day. And I thought, oh, boy. He said, we have a deacon at, the, at this door, a de- and it was a large church. Deacon at this door, deacon at this door. He said, if you're visiting with us today, we are so thankful that you came. He said, but today's not a good day to visit. I said, all right. I'm sitting right here. He said, uh, we have a, a nice gift for you and, you, and I want you to come back next Sunday, but today we have to deal with family matters. That's the way he progressed it. He was very, I did like his transparency. Very transparent. He said, we also have a guest preacher today. I mean, it was like preaching to that back wall. They were people there. You could tell they were mad, but they came. And I thought to myself... We need a good dose of Philippians chapter 2. And it was all about feelings that got hurt. And, and, and we really, and when the pastor kind of opened up his heart to me later after the service, he said, Preacher, this really started with something so petty. And he said, we had one family get hurt, and they told another family, and they told another family, and they told another family. And before you know it, we had World War III last week after church where I almost had to call the police in the parking lot of the church. Now, let me ask you this. That is getting a little bit more too common than you think. Just a little bit more common than you think. You say, oh, pastor, I'm telling you, I've never heard of such. Let me tell you something. That exists. And they may not be calling the police every week, but there's people that leave, and they'll walk outdoors, and they'll leave, and they will not speak to this side over here. And when it comes to a major matter in the church, can you imagine if, if, if they had something truly uh, important to deal with and you've got this crowd that hates this crowd and this crowd that hates that crowd, how would they deal with something spiritual? You can't. And then here's another thing. When the pastor gets up and says, now we're going to meet Saturday at 10 and we're going to go pass out gospel literature in the community. And they don't like them. They don't like them. How are you going to go out there and tell them? We can squabble all day and fight all day, but at the end of the day, I've never seen a church survive when they've had just fight after fight after fight. It, it hurts the church so bad. Here's my deal. We don't have that here, but my prayer and my wish for this church is, is that we stay in love one to another, that we love, and then secondly, that we unite And we unite around the gospel. Listen, how you vote is between you and God. See, we have a lot of that today. It's, oh, we're divided by this and we're divided by that. And bless God, if you do this, you ain't... No, no, no. How you vote 
is between you and God. Now, you're going to answer to God for it, so you better vote right. But how you vote is none of my business, and it's nobody else's business. Because when you walk through them doors, we're a child of God, and we've come in here to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Hey, listen, there's other things that we come in and we say, yeah, but I don't like this, or I don't like that. But hold on a second. Put these differences aside, and when we come together, we've come to worship the Creator of the universe, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Hey, our Redeemer. And we come together, and that's what unifies the church. It unifies. We're not uniformity. We're not preaching to wear a uniform. We're preaching to unite. To unite. That is my desire for our church. And remember this message. Mark it down. Highlight it in your Bible. Highlight Philippians 1 and highlight Philippians 2. Ask the Lord to help us.